FCC leadership has collectively agreed to stop on-site services for the time being until further notice. The reason why we are doing this is because we would like to protect the vulnerable among us. I know that it is a bit sian and people are feeling uh, tired and fatigued with this sudden call uh, to the phase two heightened alert, but we hope that you will continue to take care of yourself, keep safe, keep healthy, and during this period of time, if you still need some help, some contact, some human contacts, do feel free to just reach out to us at info at freecomchurch.org. And of course, if you have any personal numbers of anybody in church, and if you just want to say hi, please do just drop a message so that we know that you know, there are people out there who care for you. I think a lot of times, without this human-to-human uh, -human contact, we feel very isolated. And of course, we have Zoom and uh, team meetings fatigue. But sometimes, instead of waiting for people to reach out to you, maybe you can consider reaching out. If a thought of anybody falls into your mind, comes into your mind, do just send a message. So as we prepare ourselves for this Sunday service, let us just prepare our hearts with the call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let, Let us, us be, be glad, glad this day for life, for, life, for, for breath, breath, and for, and for the freedom, freedom to worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We, we come, come to bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work, we find our strength. We, we sing, sing of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. Let us now join the worship team in a time to worship. God 
Church, uh, my name is Mark. Um, I'd like to invite everyone to close your eyes and prepare your hearts for prayer. To the God of many names, thank you for the many blessings in our life. We give you all the praise and honor you deserve and surrender to you the throne of control in our hearts. Thank you for each and every day, our work, our play, our relationships, and our church community. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that moves through every part and every moment of our lives, teaching us, guiding us, warning us, 
and encouraging us to live in alignment with your will. Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and may your spirit inhabit every moment of our lives. Lord, we want to pray for each and every member of this church in Singapore and beyond as we enter yet another period of solitude. For those of us who face difficulties with finding work or with work, we pray for your comfort and encouragement to keep each and every person going and to continually trust, to continually entrust ourselves in your care. For those of us who are struggling with emotional challenges, especially from being alone in this period um, of um, um, social distancing, Lord, we pray that our community, FCC, can continue to be a source of support, that each and every one of us will continue to be a source of support to each other. Lord, in the past one year, you have taught us many ways, many new ways of reaching out and staying connected. Lord, help us to continue to build on what we have learned, to expand our range of ways in which we care, in which we inten intentionally care for one another so that we may love and honour you more fully. Lord, we pray for your healing in this time of division, mistrust, violence and selfishness. We pray for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and for your wisdom and leadership to prevail so that the Arabs and Israelis can continue to live in peace and mutual respect. We pray for the people of Burma, who are struggling to find a resolution to the conflict between the military and its people. Lord, may the international aid, the vaccines, the food supply, so badly needed in this time, reach the people in need, the poor and the ethnic minorities, in a timely manner, Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray also for the situation in India, for wisdom, humility and unity to prevail among its many political leaders so that much-needed medical supplies would reach the poor in timely and sufficient manner. We know how much it grieves your heart to see mankind in the state we are in. So we pray, help us, Lord. Now let's take a few moments to name the people and concerns of our heart before we close in prayer.
Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. grown cold there your love will unfold as you open my eyes to the work of your hand when I'm blind to my way there your spirit will pray as you open my eyes to the work of your hand as you open my eyes to the world of your hand, oceans will part, nations come at the whisper of your call. Hope will rise, glory show. Suffering may pass, Lord, your mercy will last. As you open my eyes to the words of your hand, and my heart will find praise, I'll delight in your way. As you open my eyes to the word of your hand, Jesus,
as you open my eyes to the work of your hand. Jesus, open my eyes to the work of your hand. Oceans will part, nations come at the whisper of your Morning, everyone. Um, it's <laughs> really interesting today because uh, after a period of time where we could have an uh, on site uh, congregation and online together, uh, today I have a number of faces in the congregation as well as very thankful for the production team uh, who is so, always serving so faithfully, regardless of what the situation is. And I pray that with whatever the situation may be in, um, in Singapore, uh, that we would have an opportunity to still continue to connect with God and to connect with one another. And that's my prayer for us today. And so today, as we go into our sermon time, I want to invite you to go into menti.com. Uh, as you know, that's something we've been using um, for many months. Uh, and we found that that's, at least as a preacher, I found that that has been so enriching for me because you get to actually help build this sermon together. It's not my sermon, it's our sermon together. And because of your insights, your experiences, um, I think it really blesses the congregation and everyone who listens in. So um, if you go to menti.com, uh, you can use the code 23801941. 23801941. And it should take you to living a resurrected life, showing up and letting go. Right? So... You know that we are in the Resurrection series. And we've been looking at different characters in this Resurrection series, the people who were at the cross, or the people who had reflections about who Jesus has been in their lives. And today I want to share with you one of those characters in this Resurrection series, and it's Mary Magdalene. I've preached about Mary Magdalene before uh, a number of times, and I wonder what you remember, or perhaps what you know of this character, I mean, even if you've never heard me preach about it, what do you know of Mary Magdalene, okay? And so we're going to build a word cloud of all the things that you know about Mary Magdalene, and uh, we'll see what we come up with, okay? So please go ahead, type in one word answers, two word answers, um, and we'll see what we remember of Mary Magdalene, all right? So what do you know? 
or remember Mary Magdalene. She was the one at the cross, we know that. In fact, she was mentioned by name, right? Um, she was not just at the cross, she was there even for the burial and was the first one at the tomb after Sabbath, right? We know that, okay? <laughs> yes, I see some very interesting um, uh, responses there, fantastic. Okay, so we have this word faithful, which is really big there. And yes, she's known to be very faithful, right? I mean, someone who stood by Christ throughout the most difficult moments, right? Definitely faithful. Rumored to be Jesus' wife. Yes, definitely there has been a rumor, right? And I will talk about it later on. Uh, she saw Jesus' resurrection. Yes, in fact, she was the first witness of it. And not only was she the first witness, she was the apostle who was sent out to tell the, all the other disciples. Um, passionate about Jesus, yes, and do not hold on to me. Yes, that's what Jesus told her, right? We'll talk about that later. I gave birth to Jesus. No, not really. That was uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, unfortunately, I don't know why in the Bible a lot of them are called Mary, right? So, it's a bit confusing. <laughs> but, yeah, but today we're talking about Mary Magdalene. Um, do not hold on to me, attentive to Jesus' teachings, yes, um, passionate about Jesus, washes Jesus' feet. Okay, that, we're going to look about the, at that a bit later, okay? Unfair to her in history, yes, okay, definitely. Um, not familiar, yeah, some people are not familiar with her. Interesting that, actually for me, I've actually not been that familiar with her until recent years as well. So, and that's a very interesting thing because she's actually a very big character in the Gospels. Um, she was from Magdala, yes. Uh, demoniac, somebody said, yes. And, and we'll talk about that later. She was actually delivered from being demon-possessed and, and she was uh, said to have seven demons uh, in her and Jesus healed her. Um, first witness, yes, loyal, follower. Pretty, did someone say? Okay, I don't know how you all know she's pretty, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I accept <laughs> that that's very possible. <laughs> yeah, close friend of Jesus, definitely. All right, the closeness of, of her to Jesus is actually quite evident in the Gospels. She was an apostle. Very good. I mean, I see apostle appearing there because she was actually even known as the apostle to the apostles. So, fantastic. Financier of Jesus, that's a big one, right? Yes, definitely. She was one of those who financially contributed to Jesus' ministry and to his disciples as well. All right? Fantastic. You actually remember a lot of things and a lot of new things in it as well. So what are some of the important things uh, you may have heard about Mary Magdalene? Like some of you said apostle, right? She was the apostle to the apostles. And this was even in the early church. They gave her that name because she was the first one to see Jesus rise and Jesus sent her out to tell all the other disciples that he had risen. All right, so she was known as the Apostle to the Apostles. She was not only one of Jesus' most devoted disciples, um, she was chosen to share the good news of Jesus' resurrection. And her name was mentioned first and foremost in all four Gospels that the early church decided that they would give her the title Apostle to the Apostles. Two, you know that um, she and the many other, some of the other women disciples, they stayed by Jesus throughout the crucifixion death, burial, and they were the first ones at the tomb after the Sabbath. All right? And we also explored how women were treated during Jesus' time and how his radical treatment and uplifting of them may have actually been the reason why they risked everything to follow him, even if it meant losing their lives. So those are some of the things that we have talked about before. But today, we're going to do a more intimate study of Mary Magdalene. 
And through her story, I hope that we can learn some lessons about what living a resurrected life means. So like one of you mentioned, she was from Magdala. So Mary of Magdala, that's actually where it came, comes from. She's mentioned by name 12 times in the canonical Gospels, meaning uh, the ones that are in the Bible, more than most of the apostles and more than any other woman in the Gospels, other than Jesus' family. Her presence is felt even more because in every list that connects Mary to the Gospel narrative, her name is usually first. So if you actually go to any of the lists right, that mention her, she's always mentioned first. And that's really a strong indication of her importance in her relationship with Jesus. The way in which the Gospel accounts distinguishes Mary Magdalene from the other Marys of Jesus' story right, is by the mention of where she was born. And that's actually very similar to the way they mention Jesus, right? Because they always call Jesus, he's often referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, right? From where he was born. And Mary is referred to in the same way. Mary is referred to Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene. Magdala is actually recorded as her birthplace. And it was a thriving coastal city in the Galilee region. And this community was actually involved in the dyeing of textiles. So, very important industry at that time. And this contributed to its relative wealth of the community. And this would also explain why Mary Magdalene was able to contribute financially, quite substantially, to Jesus' ministry. We also know that Mary Magdalene was wrongly called a prostitute. For the first five centuries, actually after Jesus' resurrection, no writer misinterpreted Mary Magdalene as a sex worker or prostitute. Rather, she was seen as a leading disciple and an apostle of the church. And it was actually only at the end of the 6th century that Pope Gregory I confuses the sinful woman of Luke 7 and Mary Magdalene in Luke 8 and identifies her as a repentant prostitute. And it may have been a genuine mistake, right? Because Luke 7, Luke 8, you know. But for over a millennium, Mary of Magdala was misidentified as a woman with the alabaster jar who was called a sinner, the one who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And the way that religious leadership continued to perpetuate this misidentification would have contributed to the suppression of women's leadership in the church in those early centuries. And so, like what some of you said, right? Not familiar with Mary Magdalene. Interesting, right? when in the early centuries she was known as Apostle to the Apostles, and yet, so many of us have actually never really very heard much about her or thought very in-depth about her. What we do know about Mary Magdalene is that she was a woman who was closest to Jesus. She was possessed by seven demons, uh, and that is talked about in Luke 8, and Jesus healed her. And this has parallels, actually, to the demon-possessed man at the tombs in the Gerasenes that I preached about a few weeks ago. We talked about how Jesus healed him. And remember, he begged to go with Jesus, and Jesus commanded him to stay, tell the people of his hometown what Jesus did for him. And like Mary Magdalene, he was also an apostle in his own way, because many in the ten towns, the, the capitalists, heard what he had to say. They saw the transformation in him, and the next time that Jesus arrived in their region, all the people came to Jesus bringing their sick. And because of this man's message and witness, many were healed. So you see, 
just like the demon-possessed men of the Gerasenes, Mary Magdalene was a woman who Jesus healed and set free. And after the healing, she becomes a devoted disciple of Jesus. And we understand, like the 12 disciples, Jesus actually lets go, um, Mary actually lets go of the life that she knew in Magdala. She leaves her district and her hometown. She becomes a devoted follower of Jesus. And moving to different cities and towns with him, Mary is one of the women who actually provided all the resources for the ministerial work of Jesus and the 12 disciples. She was there throughout Jesus' crucifixion, death, burial, and was the first to meet the risen Christ. She showed up even when things got difficult and dangerous. She didn't seem to have much concern for her own safety or survival. It felt like she was willing to risk it all for love. The fact that she immediately went to embrace Jesus is a testament to the closeness of their relationship, the mutual regard and affection that they must have shared. When Jesus said to her, and some of you said it, don't cling to me, don't hold on to me, in John 20, he was indicating that the time for that physical closeness was in the past. And Mary's love had to release the finite in order to reach a more expensive spiritual dimension. So in fact, Mary Magdalene's closeness with Jesus has led to speculations, right? And some of you mentioned it just now, that perhaps there was more to their relationship. Maybe there were more than just master and disciple, teacher and you know, student. Some books, musicals, uh, as some of you may know, may have hinted, and let me show you some of them, may have hinted or even blatantly claimed that Jesus and Mary Magdalene might have had a romantic relationship, right? Um, so some of you have read some of these books, you have watched some of these musicals. So let me ask you, right? Have you ever heard that Mary Magdalene and Jesus might have had a romantic relationship? Okay? So it's a multiple choice question. So, you know, yes from a book, yes from a musical, yes from a movie, no, not at all. <laughs> Okay, so yes, we see some. Yes, from a book. Yes, uh, one from a musical, a lot from books, uh, movies, many, not at all, yes. <laughs> I hope I'm not um, shocking you too much. Okay. Yes, we have quite a lot from the movies. Um, quite a few who are not at all. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Right. And I say this because when I was talking about this sermon, there were some people I was preaching on Mary Magdalene. Some of them told me, oh, so interesting. I really wonder about her and Jesus, you know. And I was like, ah, okay. Did you read the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> you know? And so I said, yes, yes, yes. No? And some of them, you know, watch other stuff as well. And I thought that it was important for us, you know, to talk a little bit about this. All right? I think there are various reasons why people wonder if there was a romantic relationship between Jesus and Mary. Firstly, you know, we live in a culture that thrives on the notion and fantasy of romance, right? 
we you know watch movies it's all about romance the things that we think about you know we think about we love the idea of falling in love right so when we see that there's this woman who's so close to Jesus so beloved by him we think wow you know she's so willing right to do anything for love that we think yeah there's always a possibility right but more importantly i think we can sense that whether romantic or not what Mary Magdalene did when she consistently showed up for Jesus throughout the most difficult times, right, regard, without regard for her own safety and survival, is definitely fueled by a deep, deep love. So Cynthia Bourgeois, in her book, The Meaning of Mary Magdalene, Discovering the Woman at the Heart of Christianity, said, I do intend to open the emotionally charged question of a possible love relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And my conclusion is that such a relationship most likely did exist and is in fact at the heart of the Christian transformational path. One might even say it's long missing key. But the kind of relationship I have in mind is not the sentimentalized melodrama our culture commonly holds up as love but a spiritual love so refined and luminous as to be virtually unknown in the West today. And I'm entering these shark-infested waters precisely for the sake of this love, because its healing and generative energy is desperately needed right now to heal the deep, psychic or soul wounds of Christianity. Yeshit Boju's conviction is that Christianity must understand and champion a path of conscious love, the love that we actually see portrayed in the relationship that Mary Magdalene and Jesus had. And through understanding this love, perhaps we can grow in the way we love as well, in our love relationship with God. She explains that all four Gospels insist that when all the other disciples are fleeing, Mary Magdalene stands firm. She does not run. She does not betray or lie about her commitment. She witnesses. And hers is clearly a demonstration of either the deepest human love or the highest spiritual understanding of what Jesus was teaching. Perhaps both. I would say that conscious love, when I look at Mary Magdalene, is knowing when to show up and when to let go. You know, for us, whether it's our parents or children, friends or partners, or siblings in faith, or strangers in need, love is firstly knowing when to show up. Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber, she once described Mary Magdalene as the patron saint of just showing up. She said, the greatest spiritual practice isn't praying the hours or living in intentional poverty, although these are beautiful in their own way. The greatest spiritual practice is showing up. Showing up means being present to what is real, to what is actually happening. You see, for Mary Magdalene, she doesn't necessarily know what to say or what to do, or even what to think. 
But none of that is nearly as important as the fact that she just showed up. She showed up at the cross where her beloved Rabboni, Jesus, became the victim of violence and terror. She looked on as a man who had set her free from her own darkness, bore the evil and the violence of the whole world upon himself, and yet she still showed up. You see, to be disciples like Mary Magdalene is to show up. And I think as a resurrected people, it means we show up to bear witness to one another's pain and suffering. Often we can't offer a solution or we can't take away someone else's pain. And the greatest thing we can do for one another is to bear witness to each other's lives. That's the greatest thing we can do. And that can be incredibly difficult sometimes, but it can often be the most loving thing we can do. To show up also means we are people who stand at the cross and stand in the midst of evil and violence. And even if we are uncertain, we are still unafraid to be present to all of it. We are unafraid to name the dark demons of evil and to call it for what it is to live a resurrected life and to show up also means to pay attention, to hear the still small voice of Christ calling our names in the midst of the chaos, the uncertainty, the loss. And you know that's what Jesus did when Mary was at the tomb despairing over the loss of Jesus' body. If you remember, as she broke into tears, Jesus appeared and asked her, why are you crying? But Mary could not recognize the voice at that time, thinking that he was the gardener. She pleaded with him to tell him, to tell her where he might have carried away the body of Jesus, saying, and I will go get him, meaning I will carry him, right? She didn't consider how she would do it. She just knew she had to find the body of Jesus and carry him back. And these are the words of a determined woman. Whatever it took, she'll find a body and carry it back. Do you think Mary was so blinded by her tears that she could not recognize Jesus? I mean, she was supposed to be the closest one to him, right? Not likely. I think the gospel records other instances when the resurrected Jesus was not recognized until he chose to make himself recognizable such as the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, remember? Who only recognized Jesus through the breaking of bread. For Mary, the voice of the gardener suddenly sounded familiar when Jesus called her by name. He said, Mary. And she recognized his reassuring voice. And that was the beginning of a new thing. Jesus was calling her and he was going to tell her a new thing. But before we go into that new thing, I would like to ask you, what does showing up look like to you? What does showing up look like to you? Earlier on, we talked about witnessing one another's lives, being there, especially when it's difficult, especially when it's hard to look away, especially when we feel helpless and can't do anything. What about you? What does showing up mean to you? All right?
So yes, we have showing up, being present. Yes, it's actually just being present. And being present, not just physically present. You know, you said being present fully, meaning that we bring our whole selves into a situation, especially when it's hard, especially when it's difficult, especially when we have to witness something uh, challenging. We bring our, our minds, our hearts, ourselves, being there, being available, right? And sometimes that's what our families and our friends need from us too, right? To just be there, to just be available, to just sit with them. Leaning into situations of discomfort, keeping promises, attending something and giving your presence, yes. Face our own weaknesses, yes. Because showing up is about confronting ourselves as well. Being present in painful times, being there, taking risks, absolutely. Sometimes showing up is being there even when I don't feel like it or I feel troubled by it when it's difficult. Yes, and I totally agree with that. There are times when I feel like averting my eyes. There are times when I read the news and I feel like just shutting it down. But I realize that even when I feel troubled by it, that I need to show up. I need to call things for what they are. I need to engage with what is happening, to stay through thick and thin, not ignoring problems, to offer food, <laughs> yes. Sometimes showing up, very practical, very uh, helpful as well, you know, just to offer food to offer your company, to focus on one thing and not be distracted, I guess, to attend and participate for both, both church services and events. And that's a very tangible way, right, of showing up, to be present, to validate another's feelings, yes. being approachable without hesitation in times of need. So there's a, a certain attitude that we have, that we carry, that we embody, right, that we're actually approachable. Um, listening, Spending time together talking about things that matter, being kind, compassionate, understanding to others' circumstances. Yes, that's a really, really great description of what showing up feels like, looks like. To show support, yes, to be fully there. Letting the other party parties know that they are not alone. And isn't that sometimes one of the most loving things we can do? Just listening and giving love if we don't know what to say. Keeping yourself alive, yes. To show up, you need to be alive first. You need to survive and thrive first. Refraining from problem-solving, listening and understanding. Intentionally choosing to love. Yeah, I love that. Choosing to love. Because sometimes it's hard, right? Sometimes it's not natural for us to want to love. Don't kill yourself, yes. Hope not. Devoting time to be with somebody, putting aside one's worries and work, Listening and yet not losing objectivity, being there and listening, not trying to give answers or solve problems, offering only our love and our presence, being there and listening, not talking because we don't like silences. Yes, because sometimes it's so hard, right, when someone's going through a really difficult time and we find it uneasy to sit in the silence. But actually, maybe that's all they need from us, you know, instead of us trying to fill it up with meaningless words, right? Not leaving someone behind, yes to love them as they are, to voice out injustice even in social media. Yes, because showing up is about us naming the evil as well. It's about us saying, yes, we see it. Yes, we're not okay with that. Yes, we want it to be better because it should be better and people should do better. And we need to call that out sometimes too. So, Mary Magdalene showed up by bearing witness to Jesus' suffering. 
paying attention and recognises Jesus' voice when he called her name. And this is what happened. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up. Okay, wait then. Oops. Give me a moment. My Mentimeter has um, done something very interesting. Just give me a minute. So, Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters. Tell them I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And then she told them what he said to her. You see, why Jesus said, Don't hold on to me, is because Mary must have been reluctant to accept the new reality of Jesus. She attempts to hold on to him, to hold on to the person that she knew, that she was familiar with, in order to keep him in the same place he occupied in her life, rabbi, friend, companion. And we are very aware of Mary's fear, this kind of paralyzing reluctance to embrace change, because we can all identify with the fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of the unfamiliar, the fear of change. Yet, without change, there can be no transformation. And resurrection is about transformation. So let me ask you this question. What happens in our lives when we refuse to let go of something or someone we know we should? Perhaps you have had it that experience yourself, you know that you found it hard to let go of something or someone, even though you know that you probably should, then what happens in our lives when that happens? All right, please share a little bit. What happens when we cling on for too long? Especially when we know that something new would actually be good for us even though we are afraid of the change. Yes, it becomes a baggage, right? We like to talk about emotional baggage sometimes because that's uh, something that will help us to become aware of what we're dealing with. But yes, it becomes a baggage that we hold on to, something that we carry with us, something that weighs us down. Both parties get hurt. Wow, yeah, that's, that's a really, really good insight because it's true. Sometimes when you hold on for too long, the hurt becomes deeper and both parties actually get hurt. We hurt ourselves and hurt the other, yes. We don't grow, right? We get trapped, we get stuck. We'll be haunted by it, right? We cannot move on in our life and we go into this cycle of rumination. We become bitter, right, or resentful. Right? It's taken away in a more painful way. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when we don't let go, um, it has to be taken away from us and it's even more painful when that happens. We don't move forward, we stagnate. Right? We never move on, we slowly die on the inside. And that's really, really true. 
wasted opportunities, yes, because when you don't let go of something, it's very hard to have something new come into our lives. It becomes a burden, it ties us up, depressed, yes, we live in pain. More skeletons in the closet, right? It adds on. Life comes to a standstill and I'm lost in my bubble. Mm -hmm. Suffering, because we cling on thinking it's the best thing to do without realizing the suffering from holding on is more painful than letting go. And that's so wise, isn't it? We cause ourselves so much suffering without realizing that we are. You know, without realizing that suffering from holding on is more painful than letting go. We do not see the true person right in front of us. Yes. Ultimately, it's about seeing another person, right? Seeing each other. We make the person suffer for our hurt, right? We can't move on to something better. We also hinder our own growth, chasing our own shadow, right? Yes, thank you so much for sharing. I think those are all very real and very deep. You know, it's true that we actually hurt more and we hurt others more when we refuse to let go, when we know that we should. So why did Jesus ask Mary to let go? Jesus encourages Mary to let go so that he can transform, meaning he can move across from an old form to a new form, and so can she. You see, when Mary releases Jesus, he ascends to God, right? And Mary graduates to a new spiritual level, that of the first apostle of Jesus. She receives and she accepts the magnificent kingdom assignment of taking out the good news of a resurrection to a waiting world. So that's transformation in progress. So in John 16, 7, if you remember, Jesus told the disciples, I assure you that it is better for you that I go away. He already prepared them, right? This was even before uh, he was crucified. He said, I assure you that it's better for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the companion won't come to you. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. See, Mary Magdalene and the rest of the disciples had to learn to let go of what was familiar, to let go of their fear of change in order for a new transformation to happen. Jesus' clear message to his beloved Mary Magdalene in their first post-resurrection encounter is not that she suppress or deny or destroy her human love for him. He just tells her, don't cling on to me. Don't hold on to me. He's saying, don't hold on to the past, what you think you need or deserve. We are all heading for something much bigger, much better, Mary. And you know, this is the spiritual art of detachment. And letting go is the spiritual art of detachment. And this is very opposite to what our capitalistic worldview actually teaches us. Because clinging and possessing are not just the norm, but it's actually the goal in our capitalistic kind of world. You see, even love must be released and allowed to become something new. Otherwise, like a lot of you said, we are trapped, we are stuck, we cannot move on. Richard Ross says, Great love is both very attached, meaning passionate, and yet very detached at the same time. It is love, but not addiction. When we have all things in Christ, we do not have to protect any one thing. 
The true self can love and let go. The separate small self, the ego self, cannot do this. We only have to look around at all the struggling relationships around us, right? In our own lives, in the lives of people around, and we see that it's true. When we love exclusively from our small selves, from our ego selves, we operate in a way that's mechanical and instru instrumental, which we now sometimes call codependent. We return again and again to the patterns of interaction we know. And this is not always bad, but it's truly limited. Great love, loving from our whole selves, connected to the source of all love, offers us so much more. You see, like the leaf that falls to the ground, our journey towards spiritual maturation Spiritual maturity is often a painful process. It often hurts. It often confuses us. And it often seems like the most frightening thing we will ever do. However, the change permits the tree to experience new life in the spring. Our lives, if you allow it, actually mimic this same cyclical process of nature. The spiritual practice of letting go allows us, like Mary Magdalene, to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So allow me to ask you, what do you need to let go of in your life? We looked earlier at how it can be harmful, right, for us when we don't let go of something or someone when we know we should. So what do you think you need to let go of in your life, in this stage of your life? Take some time to think about that. And even if you are not feeling like you are able to answer, you may not want to even share, think about it. Is there anything that you need to let go of in your life at this point? Yes, I see regrets, absolutely, the past, Unforgiveness. So many, right, of us deal with that unforgiveness, right, of being hurt. Resentment is huge there, right? Resentment is something that often is so deep because it's often layered, right? It's often a combination, a accumulation of many, many things. Let go of the need to be successful. My first ex, yes. Financial wealth. Mm -hmm. Our addictions. Mm-hmm our fear, our sadness, our past relationships, our material success, our failed relationships. Paper chase. Let go of the fear of uncertainty. Let go of the need for human love. And we all need love, don't we? But sometimes it crosses a line, right? Where it becomes all that we feel like we need all that we think might be the solution to all of our problems, when actually it's not. The dislike of cockroach. <laughs> yeah, I hope that that will be possible to let go of. Uh, the hurt from tyranny. Mm -hmm. Rumination, belief in violence. Mm -hmm. Attachment to works. Partners' infidelity. Mm. Control, bitterness, good food. Victimhood. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think of ourselves as victims, right? Very unconsciously. 
And sometimes we need to let go of that too. So many, and I think there are so many there that many of us identify with, that we can say, yeah, that's for me too. Pride, absolutely. Anger, oh, so real, right, for so many of us. There's so much for us to lay down before Jesus. So even as you continue to think about what you need to let go in life, I want to tell you this. The story of the resurrection is also the story of human love at its best. And this we can see in the story of Mary Magdalene. And many of the other disciples, right, who did finally come back, some who came in the middle of it. When all else fails, even faith and hope, right, love comes true intact. Mary Magdalene's relentless pursuit of her beloved exemplifies the spiritual quest for deeper union with God. I think Mary teaches us that love never fails, even when hope fails. It sustained her through the dark night of Holy Saturday into the dawn of Easter, if you think about it. There was no hope there. Jesus was dead. And then, resurrection. And even as Mary clings to Christ, she also learns to let go. The ecstasy of her reunion with the beloved was not meant to be for her alone to enjoy. Jesus called her to go out into the world to bear witness to the resurrection. I have seen the Lord. From Mary, we begin to understand why love is the greatest theological virtue. From her too, we learn that however much we relish the mountaintop experiences of intimacy with God, we must also descend to bring the good news of the living Christ to a dying world. And I think that living a resurrected life, other than learning to show up, learning to let go, at the base of it, I think it means allowing God to love us and through us to love the world. Ultimately, showing up and letting go is an expression of our love relationship with God. And it all begins with allowing God to love us and through us to love the world. I was very struck with this thought when I first read it about allowing God to love us because sometimes I think we forget. We strive very hard, right, to love God and to love others. Sometimes we, we forget to pause and to ask ourselves, how am I allowing God to love me in this time? And I think especially in this season when there's so many questions and uncertainties, when we don't know when we're going to congregate again, when there's just many concerns, right, that many of us have, I just want to ask you this question. How will you allow God to love you this week? Beyond you giving of your love, showing up, letting go, and that's wonderful. How will you allow God to love you this week? <laughs> By letting go. That's good, right? And actually, sometimes that's true too, right? Because sometimes when we are holding on to all of our fears and our concerns and our uncertainties and all the things we have to do, and we get so overwhelmed. But when we start to let go, we allow God's love to remind us just how loved we are. Right? Through my relationships, yes. Right? 
God has surrounded us sometimes with people who love us and through them shows us God's love. Through self-love, yes, so through people and through ourselves, by taking care of ourselves, by loving ourselves, through worship, yes, I hope so, through worship, through prayer, through regular quiet time, intentional time, yes. Rest, through rest. Sometimes that's when you really feel uh, God's love the most, when we're just being still, when we learn to rest in God's presence, through trusting, through reading God's word, through accepting love, yes. Because sometimes we actually forget that we need to be the ones accepting that love too. It's not that God is stingy with God's love. God is pouring out extravagant, abundant love for us. But often we don't feel it because we are not opening ourselves up. We are not allowing God to love us. To remember God's promises, to meditate on my blessings, to listen to God's voice, through meditating to connect, yes, looking for God's presence, being mindful in the midst of pandemic. Wonderful. I think some of those things, like let God take control, wow. I think some of those things that you have written there, those are just beautiful and, and so important. And I, and I wanted it to be the word cloud because I wanted it to be our combined contribution of reminding one another how can we allow God to love us this week? And I hope that you can take even just one thing from there, one thing, and try to allow that to happen in this week so that you get to connect with God and God's love for you and that abundance, that, that overflowing love in your life. And even as you do that, as you choose that one thing to do, I want to end with this quote from Cynthia Bourgeois. And she said, The risen Lord is indeed reason, present, intimate, creative, closer than your own heartbeat. Access through your vulnerability, your capacity for intimacy. The imaginal realm is real, and through it, you will never be separated from anyone or anything you have ever loved. For love is a ground in which you live and move and have your being. And this is the message that Mary Magdalene has perennially to bring. This is the message we most need to hear. Love is the ground in which we live and move and have our being. Amen. And now, even as we reflect on what God is doing in our lives, on the love that God calls us to, I want to invite you to this intimate meal that God invites us to each and every week. The meal that Jesus had with his disciples, the meal that reminds us of this tremendous love. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time, we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries and here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You don't have to be a member of FCC. You don't have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. 
We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. Together, we thank thank you, you, good and and gracious God, God, for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people caught in our tradition, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other. We have been our own worst enemies. We have filled ourselves, others, and we have filled you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because you have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our sin and we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and a chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness. And to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. We remember remember how Jesus Jesus came came to us, us, becoming becoming one one of us, us, born born like us, us, of flesh and blood and bone, bone, a fully fully human person person, like us in all things but sin. Remember remember how on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Sisters and brothers, my siblings, Jesus says I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me. And now please prepare your elements if you're at home, um, anything that you can use to represent the bread and the wine. And even as we distribute the elements here, I'll just invite the stewards to come. Yep. Thank you.
together. Jesus, you are always present in our midst. You come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life. For those of you who are present, um, will you stand if you are willing and able? And let's pray this prayer together. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourished us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank, Thank you, you for, for feeding our hunger and relieving our thirst. With deep, deep gratitude, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves, gathered in Jesus by your life-giving spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. Peace be seated. Thank you, Pauline, for the sermon. First, I'd like to thank the people who showed up here today to ensure that the service can carry on. And i also like to thank the people who showed up online. So thank you for showing your love to FCC. Okay. Uh, I'd like to say that please don't let go yet, even though the sermon preachers let go. I think FCC still needs each and every one of us to show up because I think in this time of difficulty, uh, every single person really counts. So... With regards to letting go, what I hope is that we can let go of our past experience of the last circuit breaker, use this new uh, heightened, heightened, oh, I cannot remember the name of this phase again, heightened alertness of this phase two to actually live a new tr resurrected life so that our lives may be transformed. Don't repeat and don't let our lives be stagnant, but really uh, let us make a difference this time round. So I'd like to welcome one and all to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. So if you are new to us, whether online or you have visited us once or twice uh, on site before this uh, phase two happened, uh, please do allow us to stay in touch with you. Uh, leave your details at fcc.la/fcc/welcome so that somebody can reach out to you. You can also get to know us better at the newcomers meeting, which will be on the first Sunday of June. Uh, this time round. If you are interested, email us at info at freecomchurch.org so that uh, a link can be sent to you so that we can all meet online uh, for you to find out more about FCC. I think that uh, whether you think that you are a newcomer or maybe you feel that, oh, I've been here a few times, I don't need to join a newcomer's meeting. The newcomer's meeting is always an opportunity for you to get to know uh, our pastors a bit more, to know what FCC represents and to know the theology of FCC and why we feel that it's so important for FCC to exist in the Singapore context. So now, uh, 
this is the giving segment of the service. Uh, we actually uh, allow uh, giving by pay now with two QR codes. You may scan the two QR codes. One will be for the FCC General Fund, which is for the uh, activities and the general running of the church, the church service itself, the place, etc. And one it will be for the FCC Building Fund, which is actually for us to pay off the mortgage. Uh, uh, you may also give by credit card at freeconchurch.gift.asia. So these are the few means uh, of giving to church so that the church can function and continue to be uh, hands and feet of God. So let us give thanks while we prepare to give. God, indeed, we give thanks to you for your love. And a lot of times, though we think that we may not sense your love, we know that you are always there for us. And a lot of times, we also have difficulty expressing our love to you and to others. We know that love is not a noun, it is a verb. And it takes intentionality on our part to both receive love from you and to show your love to others. God, in this time of difficulties and uncertainties and you know, with things changing day in, day out, we are thankful for what we have, but we are also conscious that there might be a lot of people out there who might be suffering, whether in terms of financial support, in terms of emotional support, in terms of uh, psychological support. We just continue to pray, God, that we may center our lives on you. that we may open our ears and our eyes to what you want us to see. And as we continue to serve, whether by means of financial or time and effort, we continue to uplift all these services onto you and uplift all the people onto you. We give thanks and pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So now this is the announcement segment of the service. First, we would like to start off with uh, a TMAT announcement. Uh, FCC has partnered with the Tea Shelter uh, to actually do a TMAT food drive. The tea shelter, actually, uh, the beneficiaries of the tea shelters are trans individuals that require financial assistance who are jobless, who are homeless, and who are elderly, and no means uh, to get food, etc. So if you are interested, uh, please uh, make sure that you buy the items and you bring it and have it delivered to FCC by 23rd of May. Uh, it will be a contactless drop-off. Uh, T-Mart food drive would also require uh, a few drivers and a few uh, manpower or women power to come and help uh, deliver these items to the T-Mart shelter. So if you'd like to help, uh, you can actually uh, go to fcc.la/tmart. And of course, uh, besides this, besides dropping the items, you can be free to also actually uh, submit for grocery, grocery delivery to the tea shelter itself. So if you want to do that, there's actually no deadline, but you can actually, I mean, but given this period of time, I think all the delivery slots have been uh, taken up already. So that one you can actually just do online anytime and then just uh, deliver groceries uh, to them directly. Uh, next, we are talking about the living waters in the Mandarin, uh, by the Mandarin Ministry on the 
8th of June, 8th of June at 7.30pm, we will have actually uh, Reverend Ouyang to actually uh, join us on a virtual session to talk about uh, being queer as Christians. So Reverend Ouyang is actually uh, does his ministry in the States, so he'll join us online over there. So uh, Tiang,我们的讲师是欧阳文风牧师 Chi send an email to infoeverycomchurch.org so that we can actually send you a link to, so that you may join us in this session. Uh, next, we'll invite uh, Pauline to come out and give a few announcements. Isn't Jamie amazing? I'm just sitting there and going like... She's so effectively bilingual, I'm just like... Oh. Yes, so we're very thankful for her uh, and for many of you and for all your many gifts, all right? Um, but one of the things that we're looking forward to in this coming month of June, okay? Uh, even though we, in spite of some of the restrictions that we have uh, for gathering and all, um, but we're so thankful that we planned this panel called Heart Truths. And this is uh, conversations that are ho being hosted by us uh, in conjunction with PinkFest on LGBTQ issues um, that may concern especially Christians. And so some of the topics up there, talking to Christians about LGBTQ issues, queer aging, being transgender and Christian. And we have a very amazing group of um, panelists, a very diverse group, uh, who are going to be sharing actually through their own lives and their own experiences. So it will be very much like a human library kind of concept. So if you're interested in any of these topics, please sign up. Um, it will be online, so it'll be live streamed, so no worries about whether you can turn up or not, you'll definitely be able to attend. You can sign up at fcc.la uh, slash heart hyphen truths. Alright, and please invite your friends as well. Right? In conjunction with that, we are also having a special FCC Ping Dot service. And that's right in the middle of June, the day after Ping Dot. So Ping Dot's on the 12th of June, our service is on the 13th of June. And this year, our spotlight is on our allies and our families. We want to really honour and appreciate and celebrate our allies and families and how they've been such an important part of our lives. And so if you want to listen to heartwarming stories, you want to celebrate the allies and families in your life and in our community life, please come and please invite your friends as well. All right? At this point of time, it'll probably be online. If anything opens up that we're able to do it on-site, we will let you know. Uh, but it'll definitely be on YouTube Live. All right? On that very same day, right, on the 13th of June, just after the Ping Dot service, we're going to give you a very special workshop uh, done by one of uh, the leaders in our community who is a lawyer, and it's on the lasting power of attorney. Have you ever wondered what's the difference between a will and an LPA? If you don't know, if you're wondering how best can I protect the people that I love in my life, how best can I figure out how we can take care of one another, uh, legally, especially in Singapore, um, please come. This is a complimentary uh, session. Uh, you can register at info at freecomchurch.org. It'll be on the 13th of June, uh, that Ping Dot Sunday, and it'll be virtual uh, after the service. All right? So that's the end of our announcements. And allow me now to pray the prayer benediction over you. 
loving and holy God, we confess that sometimes we don't know the difference between when to show up and when to let go. But help us, God. Help us to grow in love, in our love relationship with you, that we will show up at the times when it truly counts and that we will let go in the times when you call us to. And so now go. Go as God's risen people into our world, showing up, letting go, with great wisdom, with grace, and with love. And may our God of love and shalom go with you every step of the way. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for service today. We've come to the end of our service, um, and we want to just wish you a very good Sunday and a blessed week ahead. Thank you.